Welcome to Holy Trinity Catholic Church from Beaverton, Oregon. Good morning. Jesus Christ, the King of the universe, is sitting on his throne in heaven. And as he's sitting there welcoming people into heaven, three dogs and a cat get in line. The first dog is a golden retriever. It gets up to the pearly gates, and Jesus asks him why he should let him into heaven. And the dog says, because I've smiled at everyone my whole life. And Jesus says, come right in. The second dog up there was a barking chihuahua. <laughs> and Jesus says, why should I let you into heaven? And the chihuahua said, because I brought a lot of happiness to my family. And Jesus said, come right in. The next dog was a German shepherd. And Jesus said, why should I let you into heaven? And the dog said, because I've been a police dog and I've worked really hard to protect people. And finally, the cat came up. And Jesus said to the cat, and why should I let you into heaven? And the cat looked right at Jesus Christ, the king of the universe, and he said, because you're sitting in my seat. <laughs> so this weekend is the final installment of our four-part series on our magnificent destiny. I want to just give you a little recap. We began three weeks ago with Deacon Brett speaking about the saints and the lens they give us to look at all of our lives, the way our choices are made, everything about that, being shaped by the lens that they followed and watched. The following week, I talked about heaven. Remember my title for that talk? This is not heaven, but heaven will blow your socks off. Then last week, Father Tony spoke about the visible and the invisible world and how important it is that we learn to use the visible world to open us to understand and see the invisible world as well. And this weekend I'm going to talk about judgment and hell and purgatory. Are you ready? <laughs> all right, there's a lot of misunderstanding about all three of those. So please listen carefully on all of these for me. For most of us, we have an understanding of judgment that is very legalistic and is very much as if God is keeping count of every possible infraction we've ever made and is just ready to use those against us. I remind you of the scripture passage, John 3.16, which really does highlight what our faith is about. God so loved the world that he sent his only son that all who believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. That's the focus of our faith, on God's mercy, on God's forgiveness. Um, that's always the focus we're trying to maintain with that. So let me tell you a little story. <laughs> oh, it's hard coming to church. Uh, <laughs> Thanks to all of you for making the effort, I know that. So, including those of you in the parking lot and watching online, I'm grateful for that. This is a true story told by the evangelist Brennan Manning. A woman was having apparitions, an experience of Jesus Christ in her life. 
the local bishop had heard about it and asked to meet with her face to face because sometimes there's a fine line between an authentic mystic and someone who's got some craziness. So when she came in to meet with him and they talked, and he said, all right, he said, I want you to do something. He said, next time you see Jesus and talk with him, I want you to ask him what I confessed last time I went to confession. And she said, okay. So 10 days later, she calls, and she said, I've had another apparition, another experience of Jesus. And the bishop invited her to come in, and he said, so what did Jesus tell you? And she leaned forward and she said, these were his exact words. I don't remember. (laughs) People, the good news is when we open ourselves to God's forgiveness, to his mercy, it's washed away forever. So when we get to the pearly gates, Jesus isn't going to remind us of everything that we've ever confessed and use that against us. It's gone. It's washed away, not because Jesus has amnesia, but because his mercy is everlasting and directed at each and every one of us. And I know looking out at you and those of you who are watching online that there's a lot of you who are holding on to an unhealthy kind of guilt and fear of what judgment is going to be. And I want to speak very directly to you. Jesus' mercy is what we hold on to. The last thing we say, the last dialogue we have in Mass before receiving communion, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but say the word and I shall be healed. None of us are worthy. I have plenty of things in my past I'm ashamed of, but I've confessed them, I brought them to the Lord, and I trust absolutely that God has taken care of those through Jesus Christ. This is central in our faith. Don't lose sight of that, good people. Don't live in fear and guilt. Instead, it doesn't mean we have cheap grace, but it means hold firm to Jesus. Trust in the merits of his cross and resurrection and the forgiveness he extends to each and every one of us. So let me connect that now to our understanding of hell, which also has a lot of distortion, by the way. A lot of us were taught on that. So people, this is the official definition of hell from our catechism. Hell is the definitive self-exclusion from the love of God. And I want to highlight that phrase, self-exclusion. None of us are going to get zapped into hell by surprise. God is not in the business of sending people to hell. The fact is, with free will, which we are all blessed to have, we can make a series of choices in our lives to where it's possible, remotely so, but it's possible to so harden our hearts against anything that is godly, namely anything that is respectful, kind, loving, truthful, self-giving. We can so harden ourselves to that that when given the choice about heaven, we could actually say, no, I don't want any part of that. That doesn't look appealing to me. I don't want to spend all eternity in a kingdom where the values are those kind of values. So hear that really clearly, that we don't need to be walking or living in fear of being zapped into hell 
by a God who is counting all of our sins. And I can tell you, if you got the, made the effort to get up here this morning and be here at Mass on a cold Sunday morning, your heart is not hardened. Trust in God's mercy. Trust in His forgiveness. We are not worthy. We do not merit His love, ever. But it's given to us freely, graciously, generously to help us, to support us on this journey. The biblical understanding of judgment in hell also comes down to the fact that God has given us certain tools to help us live this life of grace and avoid the things that would most seriously compromise it. The Ten Commandments are the biggest example we have from the Bible. These are things that when they're broken do serious harm to our relationship with God. So again, I mentioned that the biblical model is less legalistic and more relational. So let me relate that to marriage just for a minute, and just a really simple analogy. I think we all know that there are certain actions in marriages that are either going to enhance the marriage or are going to begin to erode the marriage. So one that certainly is really hard on a marriage is any kind of unfidelity, infidelity, or unfaithfulness. Equally so, is there any kind of lying or deception that's going on. When that trust is lost, it's really hard to restore it. We know that from practice. Simple negligence, forgetting things like birthdays or anniversaries, that matters in marriages. I see some people smiling at each other. <laughs> and it matters in our relationship with God. There are certain things in our relationship with the Lord that are really, really essential if we're going to keep this faith life alive, this relationship with Jesus Christ alive. And there are certain things that can begin driving a wedge in that relationship that are more and more harmful, which is why we want to be super alert about that. You hear what I'm saying with that? That's why we have certain sins that we call mortal sins or grave sins, because they can do serious damage to our relationship with God. And if they're unchecked, they can eventually harden our hearts to the extent that we don't want to have any part of heaven or eternal life. So, one final parenthesis in all of this, and that's about purgatory. Because purgatory, too, is highly misunderstood in our Christian and our Catholic understanding. Folks, when we die, we don't have two choices, heaven or hell. Or, excuse me, we don't have three choices, heaven, hell, or purgatory. And it's not that chihuahuas are all going to end up in purgatory. <laughs> we believe that judgment is between heaven and hell. And the best image I've heard for purgatory is purgatory is the mudroom going into heaven. It's the place where we take off our dirty boots and our raincoats, we shed those last residual pieces of evil and sin that's hanging onto our lives so that we can be prepared for the glory of God's kingdom. Listen to these words from St. John Henry Newman. Purgatory, then, is not a place of fire and torment, but instead a place of healing, a place of gentle cleansing. In purgatory, angels assigned to this task will bathe us so that we can be healed and properly prepared to enter into heaven.
masses on the earth, and our prayers are united together as the mystical body of Christ, which works constantly to prepare all people for the divine presence we have in our faith. How's that for an image of purgatory? Gentle cleansing, the final preparation to be united with God. And folks, that shows the urgency of our prayers, including being here this morning. In November, we have our banners up on the wall. We have our Book of Remembrance. Many of you have inscribed names of loved ones who've died. We believe that our prayers at Mass, our personal prayers, our personal actions, they help those who are in this final process of purgation, of cleansing, of preparation for heaven. We get to be a part of that, and they remain a part of our lives. So let's take this seriously. So this is what I'd like to leave you with today and have you think about. We need to be practicing now the language of heaven. And the language of heaven is about being respectful and kind, but it's not just about being nice. It's also about being truthful and courageous and dying to self and living for others because those are the values of the kingdom of God. And the more we practice those values now, the more we're prepared for the eternal kingdom where that's going to be lived out in its fullest expression for all eternity. And our focus in all of this is on Jesus Christ, the King of the universe, the one who's extended his mercy and his grace to each one of you, to each person everywhere, doing everything heavenly possible to unite all people into God's heavenly kingdom. This is our faith, and we get to practice now the language of heaven so that we're ready for a smooth transition when that comes. Does that make sense? All right, good. Well, let's hold on to that as we pray our creed and as we pray this Mass today. Thank you for joining us. You can learn more on our parish website at h-t.org. We hope that you will subscribe to our YouTube channel or try and join us for Mass if you're local. Again, all the information will be on h-t.org.